I'm Dan Gregson. And I'm Mike Gregson. Welcome to Come Towards the Light, the podcast. Our goal is to find everyday people who are delightful. These people have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. We want to know their stories and what makes them delightful. We will uncover the life experiences our guests have been through, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand delight, one has to be acquainted with the dark. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find light, which leads to our greatest delights? All right, guys, really excited about today's episode. Now I'm going to take the opportunity to interview Dan Gregson, my big bro. And of course, my partner in crime in the interviews for Come Towards the Light. Um, Dan has a wonderful story, and it's take it's it's taken some time for Dan's story to really develop. But I'm really excited for you guys to hear his story because I think it's going to relate to a lot of you in your lives because it's related to me in my life. You know, I I I have all these expectations for myself. My expectations pull me one way, but I may think I don't want to live up to these expectations. I don't know if these are expectations I actually truly want. I don't know. But that is definitely part of Dan's story, and I think you're going to relate a lot to it. So please please listen up and enjoy and, and share with those who um, could use this message today. So this is, uh, th- I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, I'm interviewing Big bro Dan today, <laughs> older brother Daniel Kim Gregson, and uh, really excited about it. I, you know, I, I I feel like Dan, you are the guy in my life that I look to as like, you know, not just the older brother, but God, you, you know, you're smart, you're intelligent. Um, I'm about to refute all of those things. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I set them so they stick. No, but but I mean, this is this is fun for me mm-hmm. um working on this project with you has really just allowed me to to feel closer to you in a way where um it's not just big bro status anymore it's like best friend stuff you know it's it's, it's like we're pulling together yeah for, for something right totally yeah. and and you know we've like i have mentioned um in the past this whole idea of come towards the light is really to engage people that we feel have light yeah. and have joy. And it doesn't matter who they are. Um, it doesn't matter where they're from. doesn't matter what they look like. doesn't matter what language they speak. Everybody that's listening to this knows that when you walk into the presence of somebody who is joyful mm-hmm. and has delight, has the light with them, you mm-hmm. all of a sudden recognize something different and it's uplifting. And it's, it's it, sometimes it provides a lot of energy. Sometimes it doesn't, but you feel better. And, and that's the purpose of this is, is to find and engage with people who are delightful for whatever reason. And then hear their stories of how they got there. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And, and that's, and, and that's the, the beauty of it is yeah. everybody doesn't get there the same way. Right. And but there are the, common principles. It's interesting that we yes. found already in the interviews that we've done, we've found very common principles that are pretty steady throughout. Yeah. Like yeah. name a few. Like what do you think? So I think empathy. Empathy is huge. Yeah. And so empathy to me, like 
maybe three of the most powerful things that have been consistent through each one of the people that we've interviewed are empathy, um, uh, uh, taking responsibility for your actions, yeah, because there's power in that, and then this idea of being vulnerable, yeah, straight, yep, straight yeah. up, yep. I, I agree. And I'm going to add one more on top of that. Because mm-hmm. you have to be better than me. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to kind of one-up you. No, um, showing up. Yes. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I there's a lot that encompasses that, like whether it's service, but, and we won't get into that right now. But yeah, yeah, yeah there's there are some very core principles that really delightful people kind of all have come to gain or mm-hmm. have practiced to get their delight. And I, and I think we're yeah. really discovering that and uncovering that. And this is, this is going to be exciting. Cause I, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you, you've got a great story. I mean, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. And it's it, awesome. It was hard to live through. It's awesome. But I'm in a really good place right now. Yeah. And my gosh, Dan, I, you know, I, you look at this life and, and it's, it's set up so that we're supposed to fail. Yeah. Every single one of us. That's we're exactly supposed right. to make mistakes. That's how we learn. Yeah. And if it's not that I did it all wrong, so <laughs> my bad. But but I, I think that just there's going to be a lot of people that relate to your story because, you know, it's it's one of those stories where there's so much more still to be written. And I think that's the beautiful part of it is you're, you are kind of in a place and I'm going to let you get there with this, but I'm going to, I'm going to plant this idea as you're telling your story, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like all of a sudden you got to this peak and now you're looking out and here's the sunset, not the sunrise. Yes. Or something. Sunrise, not the sunset. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The sunrise, (laughs) not the sunset. And and I think for you to get there, Mm -hmm. some people don't. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that is exciting to me. So, and, that, so that's true. I, I do feel like at 40 years old, I'm almost 41, <laughs> 41 this month, woo, yeah. that I have finally entered my road, my path. And the thing, the thing about that idea is I've always been on a path, right? Like uh, this whole, this whole thing that has happened before this has led me where I am. Yeah. And so that's always been my path. But, but like I've, feel like I've hit my stride, you yeah. know, like I've, I've, I finally got to the place that I've been trying to get to for so long. And I think today my story will be, how did I get so lost on the way to that path? And how did I finally find it again? Awesome. Yeah. And now that I've caught you in full gazelle-like stride <laughs> yeah, on that path, I'm excited so to talk to you today. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Um, okay. So, you know, I, I think let's, I, let's kind of, I want you to really take this, take this bull mm-hmm. by the horns, if you will, and, okay. and, and take it where you want to. And, and, okay. um, so Dan, I, my question for you mm-hmm. is, have you found delight in your life? Yeah, no question. Like I am, I feel more delight in the last about two and a half months than I have ever felt at any point in my life, any point in my life. And it's amazing that I feel that because I thought that it was lost to me. Uh, I didn't know that I could get back to this. I mean, I did, but like, I didn't know that it would happen for me. I'd kind of given up that it would. And like maybe it could happen to other people. But yes, yeah. uh-huh, exactly. And that, that maybe it just wasn't going to for me for whatever reason. Um, and so to, to kind of dig into that a little bit, 
um, you know, kind of starting with, with my childhood and, and, and kind of, cause it starts then of when I started off my path. Um, you know, as a kid, I was always very internal, uh, always. Um, I was a shy kid. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, we moved around a lot as, a, as kids. Um, you know, we were at a different school pretty much every year for, for uh, most of the time we were in elementary school. And, you know, I, I did make friends pretty easily, um, but it, was, it, it never really got past surface level, you know, because we'd make friends and then move and make friends and then move. And I remember every time we'd leave just being in tears about the friends I was leaving behind. And, and kind of daunted about having to build all that back up again. Instead of being excited about meeting new people, it was this despair that I was leaving behind people that I loved and, and that they wouldn't be a part of my life anymore. It's hard to grasp, though. Is it? I mean, so you're, I rem, in the childhood, I remember our moving. Mm-hmm. You're three, four, six, seven, eight. I mean, mm-hmm. it, like it's hard to grasp as a little kid yeah. all of these things that are happening. You just feel the emotional effect of those, right? For sure. I've mm-hmm. watched that with Savannah. Yeah. And and I can't imagine. You know, I, I I've been through that myself, but but I, I can't imagine being a little kid and trying to really encompass what that means for you. Totally. Right. And and I I think where I started getting off track is I kept all of this stuff internal. Sure. You know, I I looked for ways well, to escape you know to at that age. It, right? that's that's a very good point yeah but i i looked for ways to escape and and those ways for me were you know reading was a big part of it uh video games dude you um, used to read the bible at <laughs> two in the morning <laughs> oh my gosh yeah anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i gotta throw that in there man man the dates are just gonna start rolling in now. <laughs> <laughs> this man is a spiritual giant folks no 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 anyway um and, and things like basketball, like, like those are, those are things I use them as an escape to not have to think about why, you know, being kind of a sad kid yeah. and, 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 and I, I kind of felt as a kid, like, you know, I was the oldest and it was talked about a lot that, you know, oh, I'm such a good example, you know, it, I'm, 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 I'm the oldest grandkid too. So it's like, oh, he's such a good example for the grandkids. And, and, and like, let me put in a little piece there. So keep going with the story, but uh-huh. you're, you're the oldest grandchild of a family on, on mom's side of uh-huh. a family that has eight kids. Yeah. So mom's got seven siblings. You're the oldest grandchild. And, and we've got people, like a billion cousins yeah. on just one side of the <laughs> these, family. These people know how to procreate <laughs> like rabbits, right? So I mean, like yeah. the pressure's on here, buddy. <laughs> and so I, I did really kind of feel that pressure. I, I did kind of worry that like, if I made mistakes, that that would You're make it more and more. Pu- right. I yeah. did. I, I really did talk yeah. myself into being a much bigger deal than yeah. I really was right. because in all honesty, that wasn't the case. You know, that wasn't going to be the case. If I made a mistake, it's a lot of pressure. Like it, everybody would have been fine. Yeah. And, and, and I should have allowed that for myself, but I didn't, I, I really felt the pressure to, and, and one of the other things is, is I really love external validation. Sure. You know, I love hearing from people that I'm a good kid yeah. or that I'm doing good things. I, I re- it just makes me glow. I yeah. love it. And so, um, who does just know? kind of, I well, mean, right. But like, feels good when you're but like, kid. I took that to an extreme, you yeah. know, like, like you probably like that too, but like, 
you, you, put you didn't so really much... care about like that with teachers and stuff. Sure. Like for me, I wanted to be the teacher's favorite. Yeah. I want to be the smartest okay. kid. I so to... like in every aspect yes. of your life, basketball, yes. I wanted to be school. the best basketball player. Yeah. I wanted to be the best piano player. I yeah. wanted to be the smartest kid. Yeah. I wanted to be the best in school, the best at kickball, anything, yeah. you know, like yeah. if I were to do it and, and like, I felt capable of that too. Yeah. Like, like that I had it within me to, to push myself to be that. And I wasn't going to settle for anything less, even though, you know, obviously I had to, cause I'm not the best of any of those things. <laughs> well, which, you know, so anyway, so as I'm kind of stuck in my own little internal world and having to deal with some of these pressures what, that, that I'm putting on myself. Time out real quick. Where do you feel? I, I think something that would be interesting to, to really pinpoint here uh -huh. and maybe you can, maybe you can't, but where do you think some of those pressures were? Were they just, innately coming to you because of your place in birth and in the family or do you feel like you feel like this i think a lot of came it from family itself? i think a lot of it is also my ego okay i liked probably thinking that i was a bigger deal than i was okay and that i hate admitting that but i think there's a lot of truth to that yeah um we want like one of one of the things that i loved as a kid were these fantasy novels right like dad got us hooked on like Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. Sure. And then sort of Shannara. And then I branched out from there and it was totally nerdy and whatever, but like I love nerds and I know I love nerdy things. And, and the, the thing about these books is there's, there's one central character who is like the, the ultimate hero who's going to save the day. Sure. And, and I always identified with that person, of course, because yeah. I want to be that person. I want to be that in my own life. I want to be the person who people rely on, who is consistent, who is dedicated, who, uh, people can look to as an example who, you know, just makes life a lot more fun when that person is in your life or, or much more meaningful or something like that. And, and I allowed myself to believe that I was more important than I really was. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of, of being the example fed into my ego, like, I really do have a, I hold a lot of power over these kids. <laughs> I've got I better be good. <laughs> I've got the ring on my finger. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing is, is I let that kind of run out of control in my mind, I think. Yeah. And so we're going to circle back on that. Cause I think it would be really important uh -huh. to hear kind of your thoughts around how do you, as a parent, make sure that your child doesn't get too much too much pressure put on them sure. by, you know, whether it's external sources or whether it's them themselves. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, let's circle back on that in just okay. a bit. Good. Um, and so what, what ended up happening is because I was so internal and didn't know how to talk about the things I struggled with, with like my parents or my siblings or anyone else, I kept it all inside and so what that meant is I felt like I needed to act a certain way, even though internally I was maybe feeling different. Like, like I, like I was holding myself back from doing certain things that maybe I wanted to do because of the appearance of what I thought I should be. Hmm. And that creates, you know, this disconnect in my brain of here's who I want to be and here's who I am versus here's who I feel like I have to be. Yeah. Um, and, and when you have that schism in your brain, when there's that disconnect, your actions aren't lining up with your thoughts and your, your words, it makes lying really easy. Sure. 
I lied to myself for most of my life. I lied to myself about how good I was, about, um, you know, the good things that I was doing. And I had to do that because I also felt this darkness within me. Um, you know, I had impulses that, that scared me quite honestly. And I tried to just shut them off sure. and, and not think about them. And we all have our internal demons that we deal with. I just decided not to deal with them. Sure. That if I just ignored them, maybe they would go away. But that wasn't the case. <laughs> so as you know, as I'm kind of growing up and and fi and figuring my you know my 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 way out, I I really did learn that hey, I can I can be I I can get that uh, validation I need easily by being the good kid, sure. by knowing the answers, yeah. by um, and, and so I was kind of a very self-righteous person, you know, I, I, I knew how to act. I knew how to get that validation from adults. Um, and, and I liked getting that validation from adults. Um, but, but what, what also ends up happening is I never learned how to connect in a real way with people. And that is that disconnect from people ended up being so detrimental in my life. Okay. So let's pause there. Cause that's important. So as you're again, to kind of go back to what you're saying, mm -hmm. if I heard you correctly, it's basically like, okay, this is who Dan Gregson is supposed to be. This is the expectation. Mm -hmm. It's over here. Mm -hmm. But Dan's trying to figure out who Dan is and he's going down this road, but it just, it's not working. You can't really go down this path too far if the expectation's over here and you're feeling pulled so much to the expectation, right? Well, let me, let me put it in this way. So when you're acting a certain way that's not authentic, any validation that you get for that inauthenticity is, is you're not going to really feel right? You can't fully connect with that yeah. because it's not who you are yep. all the way through, right? Sure. So I can put on this act and be this person and have people like me and validate me. But internally, I'm like, but they don't really know me. Sure. And if they did, they would be so disappointed. Yeah. And, and, and so, it's, so it's like I'm getting validation, but that validation isn't even connecting the right way because yeah. I know I'm not being authentic. You know, you know better. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so that, that was very tough, detrimental man. to my spirit. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lonely thing. Yeah. And, and it's lonely because you're putting on this mask and people are connecting with that mask, but you know, it's a mask, you know, it's, you know, that if they, if you really opened up and showed them who you really were, my fear was always, well, then I won't be liked. This is how I know how to be liked. And, and so I operated in that way for the large majority of my life up to this point. So tell me, first of all, I just yeah. like the word schisms. It's been on my brain. <laughs> it's, it's a good word. That's a cool, that's a, I'm going to put that in my vocabulary. Um, Tell me, okay, so I, I want to hear, like, what are some of these things mm -hmm. um, in your life that, the tell me about the expectations. What is Dan Gregson expected to be? Who, yeah. who does everybody put well, you and I think, as? I, and I, I just want to clarify this real quick. Yeah. It, I, it. It, this was me putting pressure on myself. Thing. So it's right? not even, it's, so it's, yeah, okay. I'm sure my parents sure. and my grandparents would have been like, hey, Dan, chill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you really don't have to be perfect. Sure. But like I was building this up in myself like I had to be, you know, so, like. So were there any, 
things that you weren't doing to yourself? Were there any things structurally that like uh-huh. you had to aim for because maybe, I, I mean, let's be honest, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we're from, we're, we're families, members of the church of Jesus Christ, the Lord is saying. Yeah. So for a, a young man, mm-hmm. for a boy, when you're born, I mean, if you're faithful, yeah. you go on a mission. Exactly. Right? So and there's that. that was that, kind but, of like the... In my mind, like that was the pinnacle, that was going to be the pinnacle of my life because I'd heard, you know, my dad, my uncles, my grandpa, all these men that I'd looked up to had talked about this mission, this, this going out into the world and, um, and serving people as the best time. And they, I constantly heard the best two years of my life, right? Like that was just, you, you almost couldn't say mission without following up with the best two years of my life. And, and so I always like, so I, I believed that wholeheartedly. Like I will go on my mission at 19. I will live for two years and have the two best years of my life. And then whatever happens in life after that, I don't really know because you've already done the pinnacle of my life will be this. I got you. And I really did live like with all my effort and focus on that part of life. Like I, I didn't even think about what happens after the mission. I didn't think about school really. I didn't sure. think about marriage. I didn't think about what I wanted for myself other than I want to go on a mission. Sure. And that's silly. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like that's, that's what I felt was most important. Um, this idea of service and living a, a life like Christ would live. Like I I really wanted to be the best person I could. And let's put some context around that. So, so when you're, cause I mean, it's not just something that you're like, Oh cool. mission's great. And so I'm going to focus my whole life on that. Mm -hmm. But when, when you, when you're born into our faith and you are, you want to go on a mission, every young man, we believe it's a commandment, right? And, And, and there's there's certain worthiness. Um, That's a good point. Things that we have to live up to, right? Yeah. So, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't have premarital sex, we right. don't we don't have you know like even relationships with girls when you're dating. It's like right. oh, you guys, you can't be alone together in a room because you don't want to screw up. Like right. it's, I mean, compared to what the standards of the world are, these are different standards for sure. And they're wonderful, but gosh, I mean, it, it causes a lot of pressure. But so what you're saying is by preparing like this and focused like 110% mm-hmm. on this thing, and this is your deal, and you're going to be Frodo with the ring and for two <laughs> years, yeah, that's a stupid analogy, I'm sorry. But no, but for real, like, like you are just like in your brain, you're so locked on this idea of, yeah, I've got to be perfect. Yes. I've got to be perfect before I go. I've got to be perfect on my mission. I've got to, and, and that's kind of where your mind stops. Well, but, and, but and this idea of perfection, so yeah, that idea of perfection was like, I felt like I could achieve it. Yeah. You know, like I felt like it was within my grasp. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so silly to, to hear myself say, but I, I what do really, you mean perfection? Like to be living the commandments so, perfectly, or yes, it, that it, at that time in my life, that's what that would have meant. Okay, like to to be perf, to be perfect with God in okay. a sense. Okay, yeah. So I'm know, with you. Pray daily. Yeah. Read my scriptures daily. Uh, don't lie, cheat, steal, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, and and boy, can you imagine that in today's world with all the stuff we have around us? <laughs> right. I mean, it's like yeah. 
the, anyway, keep going. No, and and so so that like I did demand perfection for myself, and yeah. and my ego's big, and so I assumed I could, sure, and I assumed I could do it by myself. Um, but in all, obviously, that is not something that can be maintained. And so I get home from my mission, and I'm lost because I have no plan. I I mean, I kind of have this idea of like, okay, yeah, I'll go to school, but even like. Even that is just a, a very halfway plan, you know, like it's like, I'll go to school, but I don't know what I want to be. Yeah. I don't know what I want to study. Um, I want to make a lot of money. I want to provide for my family. I want to live comfortably. So what is that going to be? And like the first thought is dentist. Well, I don't want to be a dentist. But, but I know that the lifestyle will get me what I want. And it sounds good. And everybody it else sounds is good saying, until you think, oh man, I have to look at mouths all day. People have bad <laughs> breath. But at the same time, when you're floating <laughs> right. and you hear people saying like, right. oh, you should do this. They make good money plus have yeah, a great exactly. lifestyle. You're like, okay, great. Maybe I'll do that. And yeah. if you don't know, that's kind of what you stick to. Exactly. And and so I did kind of wait around for someone to just be like, I, I just, and that's all I wanted. Like, Someone just tell me what I should do. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I, I finally did have someone kind of do that to me. And, and, you know, the, this person was kind of like, oh, you should be an air traffic controller. You have like the perfect personality for it, the perfect demeanor. And I was like, oh, cool. So I got a degree in aviation science. Haven't used it since. Yeah. I'm not an air traffic controller. <laughs> <laughs> but you're really good at telling people what to do, obviously. <laughs> I'm really good at making oldest... sure people don't crash. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like it. But, but so that's the thing. So, so I get home, I, I start school. I really struggle in school for the first time in my life and struggling in school for me was felt like I was the biggest failure. So you're starting to feel cause like, I, cause I feel like I'm a smart kid yeah. and my, again, I have this big ego that's telling me I can do whatever I want, Yeah. but I am struggling. I'm like failing classes. I am, I'm feeling like I'm feeling overwhelmed yeah. and I'm feeling like I have no purpose and I don't, and, and I can't figure out what my oh, purpose internally is. Internally, you and are dude, that just sucked. torn. Right? I was, yeah. I, like I was lost yeah. at that point in life. Yeah. But really on the was. outward, you're trying to maintain this appearance. This idea of, of, of perfection yes. almost. Yes. Yeah. I want people to still see me a certain way they because I, again, I know that I know the validation that that provides. Boy, that is so hard. Yeah. That is it's, so it's hard. Oh, and, uh, and so, so I struggle in school and I, I am, I am without purpose and that causes, and, and when you feel those things, that's going to cause issues with relationships. And my main relationship at that time was my wife and that caused a lot of serious relationships. I, I think that was very concerning to, to her that I was struggling so much she knew me when I was in school and as a high school kid who was doing really great things and doing really well in school. And yeah. so to, for her to see me struggling was really hard for her too. Yeah. And, Shook and, it, up and, and it would have been scary. Like, Oh shoot. Who did I tie my, who did I hitch my apple wagon to? You yeah. know, like who is this guy? And honestly, I didn't really know myself either. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, living without purpose. So, um, we eventually, so my, my marriage, again, I, I can't connect with people. So even in my marriage, I'm getting to this point where I'm trying to put up a front 
so that she's not worried. Yeah. And I just, a, you're living just a, 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 a I'm, I'm living gonna, a lie. I'm going to say I mean, that's that, very honest. With, that I was, was say, living I'm, a lie. You're living a lie, but I, I didn't want to be that up front. No, yeah. that is the absolute truth. Yeah. I was living a lie. Yeah. I was, I was trying to maintain this appearance of having everything under control while everything was on fire. So if at that point in your life and, mm-hmm. and you're kind of here with your wife and you're uh-huh. trying, she's, she's kind of going, holy cow, this yeah, is shaky ground. Yeah, exactly. What would have happened if you would have stopped mm-hmm. and been truthful at that point? The thing point? is, is if I would have known how to stop and ask for help, that would have saved my whole marriage. That would have changed my life and its trajectory. Um, it would have been the thing for me to do. But you didn't. But and I is didn't. it because of fear? It's because of fear. Fear. Fear has held me back in in so much in life. I am a very fearful person. Yeah. I don't fear the things that people typically fear. But everything you're saying to me up to this point, uh-huh. you're not a fearful person. No, like you've you've I lived am. this boom, 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 What boom, I'm boom, afraid life. of is people seeing me yeah. and not accepting me how they currently accept me. Vulnerability. I'm, I'm worried that if they were to see me, who I really am, that I would be unlovable and be seen as a fraud, which is funny because that's exactly what I was at that time, was a fraud, a big giant fraud. And oh gosh, that's <laughs> so much to explore right there because <laughs> that is so, when you, when you mature and you go mm-hmm. through these things, that is so opposite of what you come to understand. Right. Because what you start to see, don't you love when someone comes and just opens up to you and they are either they've done something awful or they're crushed or like they're in this weak, vulnerable place uh-huh. and they, they talk to you about it. And what do you do? You wrap your arms around them Absolutely. and you say, how can I help you? And like, I'm I want to be the first person to do that. Right. right? But you couldn't, but I couldn't do it yourself exactly. because you're afraid. And yes. you're the, the, really the big thing is is there's this image of who you've mm-hmm. got. There's this expectation, mm-hmm. this image that you've created in your brain. Mm-hmm. You're not there. Right. And you've got to lie till you get there. That's, and, that, and I kind you, of, I kind of like, that was my MO. Like yeah. I will lie until I achieve the thing that I'm lying about. But you don't even know what that thing is. <laughs> I don't it's, because it's like I don't this, even know what I want. Yeah. It's yeah. this made up idea in your mind that, yeah, yes. that's, yeah, I'm, I, I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I've been there. Anyway, keep going. So the marriage, right? So we're already not connecting. Um, I'm not being truthful with her. I'm not being my real self. And so I become a stranger in our marriage um, in a very real way. And this has very detrimental effects because what this does is because I can't connect and we can't really talk about anything, we become essentially uh, roommates. Yeah. I mean, kind of glorified roommates. We, we, we didn't, we don't talk a lot when we do talk. It's about superficial stuff. Um, and I have to constantly uphold this lie that I'm living. And the thing about upholding one lie is you have to create all these lies surrounding that lie to keep it. And, and then you have to create lies surrounding those lies. And it just, it's this ripple effect of lying that is so, exhausting oh. like so much of my mental energy went to keeping up this appearance of my lies yeah and like what the heck kind of life is that yeah. you know but like that's i was stuck in the middle of it i couldn't see my way out of it yeah i couldn't i couldn't imagine people having the grace uh, and, and allowing me to 
to not be the person that I was trying to appear to sure. be, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't know why I couldn't allow that. I don't know why I, I just, I still don't know quite why yet, but, but so I'm, I really am living this lie and I'm lying about my lies and, you know, creating this whole story and, and, um, in, I'm going to interesting. I'm just going to put this in here real mm-hmm. quick. So, so you mentioned the word grace. Mm-hmm. God, I love that word. Yeah, it's a good word. Beautiful word. I always wanted to name a kid Grace. Right? Maybe someday. Yeah. Well, your sister, <laughs> Brooklyn name. Grace, yes. right? So mm-hmm. she used that name or minimum. Yeah. But so, I mean, what you just explained to me there, like you, you just desperately wanted somebody to offer that to you. So that I you did. Could, you could start going, but, but you didn't know how. I and didn't you know were how. Afraid, you were so afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, what, like, you you came from a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Christ is all about grace. He is. He's and, all about forgiveness too. And, and you've learned these things your whole mm-hmm. life. And and so a lot of the audience is mm-hmm. probably going to be Christian, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of America still is, right? And so, so one we, of the interesting things about the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints and our views on grace and works is is sometimes we is we're so caught up in this idea of accepting Christ and then trying our best to live as he did. Almost to my detriment. And again, this isn't the church's problem. This is a me problem. This sure. is me internalizing things the wrong way. Sure. Instead of internalizing a Christ who is well, loving maybe and some accepting. Of the culture, maybe yeah, some of the sure, culture, right? For sure. But, but I'm, I'm internalizing things the wrong way. And I fully accept responsibility of that. And I've changed since. But, um, so this idea of, of a very, so, so this idea of working for my own salvation, like, right. That appeals to my ego that appeals to the idea that I can do this. I can be this person. I can, I can be, I can be a Christ-like person. Um, uh, and, and so, and, and I really wanted to be that, but I, I wasn't living that. So anyway, um, so we're drifting further, further apart as a, as a couple and I start, you know, and, and, and I, I start looking for outside validation and this is a total me problem. And this was not her because you're not getting it from me, her, but yet it's not her fault. And, and what I mean by that is I was searching for a physical affection that I, um, was not allowing myself to get from my spouse sure. because of how I was acting and because of how that was affecting her. Yeah. And again, this is hundred percent my issue, but you didn't know that. Then. I didn't know that at the time. Right, right. All I knew is that I was lonely and I needed tenderness Yeah. and I didn't know where to go to get it. Cause I didn't feel like I could get it from my family and from the person I was married to again, my issue. And I take responsibility for that. And so what I do is I go out and, and I seek that physical validation and touch from outside of my marriage. And that eventually led to, uh, after a lot of work and we almost tried to, to make it back from that much to her credit. But, um, it was, I think it was too big of a, I, I wasn't, she, she would often say that I felt that she felt like I was a stranger. Sure. And it makes total sense yeah. because I was living a lie. 
Well, you're living a lie, and now all of a sudden you've broken trust. Yes. And and I you know, I just can't. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes at this point, and it's like I'm so lost, yeah, dude. What, I was whoa. so lost. Like, where do you go? I I had I, I was I was I was just lost. And you've got three kids. Yeah. And I and I you know I'll never I, I and I'll let you continue the story where you want to go. But I I put myself in your shoes right here, and I'm like I was alone. Yeah. I felt so lonely oh. and it was excruciating. Yeah. Like it really was. I was so hurt by my loneliness oh. and my inability to find love that I was seeking it out in the dumbest places. Like I'm just sorry. so dumb. I'm sorry we weren't there for you. Like that's But tough. the thing is, is I'm sorry I didn't open up. Sure. I'm sorry I didn't trust you guys with that because I should have because you have all of you have totally earned it since, since you, I've opened up. You say that though, but I, but I think it's so, it's, it's hard. I mean, that, that, the fear that evolves around lies that you tell that you're trying to protect and mm-hmm. this created false image of who you are. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, all you were trying to live up to is this idea that you were really smart. Yeah. That you were, that, that you were going to be very successful. I mean, yeah. all through our high school years, you were known as that kid that's like, Dan's obedient. Dan, Dan's yeah. like, He's the guy in classic. It's the straight A's. He's the great seminary student. Like this guy's got a rock solid testimony and right. blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, I mean, that's, you're putting yourself up here on this pedestal. That's, that's pretty high that people kind of aspire <laughs> to be right. Mm-hmm. Or at least that every mother aspires to have their daughter marry right in our, in our church. Anyway, but I wasn't actually doing the legwork. Amen. And that's so can you living I, that? I can't imagine being there not living up to that, but having this facade that you are, and yeah. then all of a sudden going to, who do you go to and say, I, I basically have to start all over. That is, that is scary. Well, so let me tell you how starting over happened for me. Yeah. So because of what I did, I was excommunicated from my church, which means essentially like I can still go to church, but I can't really say anything. Um, I can't partake in the activities of the church that, you know, people with full-fledged membership have. And that might sound like a mean thing to do to a person. And I think that, um, you know, for people who don't really understand what that process is like would see that as an extreme thing to have happen. Like extreme punishment. Yes. Yeah. What that was for me was one of the most merciful things in my life. How so? And, and let me tell you why. So as because I'm on this ped, this fake pedestal and, and, and I've built myself up a certain way to, to a certain facade, all of that needs to be brought back down to the same level of, of where I really am. Ah, there needs to be a ground zero. I need to start you. back at step one. It's almost like you've built this ladder and you're climbing up the ladder and the rungs on the ladder are breaking yeah. because of the way I'm acting. I can't walk. I can't just step back down the steps of the ladder because they're gone. I've completely destroyed the ladder. I need to fall and build a new ladder. So essentially, it's it's kind of like a rock bottom for yes. an addict. That's but, exactly right. But what you're saying is like you, you've got to just, your, your false facade mm-hmm. has to meet your reality. That's exactly you, right. You just got to meet on that plane to yes. start fresh. And that's what excommunication did for me is yeah. it, it gave me that level playing field of, okay, here you're back at, you're back at like, it, like at Monopoly, you're back at start yeah. or go or whatever. Yep, yep. Did you collect $200? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
<laughs> anyway, would you, would you say, would you connect that with mercy and grace at all? Yes, absolutely. Okay. There, there, that is a very graceful thing to be able to start back over. So it's like you were handed a gift. I, I was it's, handed a gift it's of a punishment kind of it's, it's, but it's, it can be seen as a punishment, but how it felt to me was a reconciliation of my external self and my internal self. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then everything was authentic from opportunity. I, I could get to a place where all of a sudden I could be authentic and, and all of a sudden, not just you, uh-huh. but everybody in your world. I mean, people knew. And yeah. so, and so all of a sudden it was like a clean slate for everybody. That's exactly and at right. At that point going forward, you then had your army and the, and the nice, right? yes, you had exactly. your people yes, to surround yourself with and say, thanks Bailey. Hey, yeah, right. Bailey. Yeah, <laughs> but no, you, you had your people ground zero for not only yes. you and your brain and your heart, but, but also now people, people can come to me and, yes. and they can see me in my need. I can oh, finally allow them to see me in my need. Yeah. Right. And for you to get there by yourself, just like that, like from where you were, that would have been so scary and difficult and hard. Yeah. And so let me, let me talk a little bit about, so the night I was excommunicated, it's a very weird feeling to me, right? Like one of my most important parts about my identity is this connection that I have with my church. Sure. And now I don't have that. And I worried about what that meant for my relationship with God. And I didn't know that, I don't know that I, I didn't really have a great relationship with him. I, I wanted to make people think I did, but I, again, I couldn't be authentic with God either, yeah. you know? And so I get home and I'm home alone and I'm very lonely and, um, it's been a really long night and I know that I need to pray. I just feel internally like okay, Dan, if, if you're ever going to pray in your life, this would be the night to pray. Were you but praying the, up to this point? Like, had you been praying around this time? I had been life? praying, but not like real prayers. Sure. It was just, you know, it, it, it was fake prayers. Check it, it off the list. Yeah, exactly. Gotta, gotta check in. No yeah. one's there. But, but like, I'm lying to God too. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm not telling him my real stuff. Sure. I'm not telling him the stuff that I really need help with. Yeah. I'm just, you know, like, I'll pretend that God, you know, will lie to you like I'm lying to everybody else. Yeah. So anyway, so I finally get on my knees. I force myself onto my knees and I am trying to get myself to express whatever it is I'm feeling in some type of a prayer. And so the only thing that I can think to say is, is Heavenly Father, I am lost and I need help and I don't know what to do. And immediately, immediately, just this, feeling of love enters my chest and I knew (laughs) that I was loved and I can't explain it. I can't, um, I I just, I, I knew, I knew that I had value. I felt that and I knew that I was loved and it was my lowest point in my life. And if I could feel loved, from this source that I was kind of scared of and intimidated by, if I could feel loved at the lowest point in my life, I could always feel loved. And that gave me the energy I needed to start this process and to start rebuilding. That's awesome. It's, it's, I'm very grateful for it. Um, I, I, you know, I, without it, I don't know 
where I would be, right. quite honestly. Yeah. So, um, we, we try really hard to make the marriage work for a year, for a little bit longer than a year. And for a year, it goes really well. Yeah, and you worked really hard. I did. Yeah. And she did too. Yeah. We worked hard. But some things are hard to see a way out of when yeah. you're in the middle of them. And I think that we were both in a place where I got really sick. Um, you know, I, I was... I was working so hard and I was so stressed and I got these ulcers that all throughout my intestines. What was it called? So it's called ulcerative colitis and it is a bitch. And I'm sorry I swore, (laughs) but that is a thing that it is. Yeah, I'm not. That was (laughs) awesome. It was not good. Um, and I, and I quite honestly, I was at the point in my life where I kind of felt like I deserved it. And (laughs) this was kind of my, this, this was my way back to getting good with God, right? This was my punishment for what I had done to my family, uh, to my friends, to my spouse, um, who I loved very much, but, and to my kids, like this was, I felt like I deserved it. And so part of when you feel like you deserve something like that is, you know, I kind of got to the point where it's like, well, if this is the thing that's going to take me, I'm kind of ready to go. Sure. Like this has been a hard life. I haven't done it well. I'm tired. Let's just be done. And I want to be done. Yeah. And if this is the thing, take then, care okay. of my kids, but yeah. I'm ready. And, and so what happened is I became very anemic. I bled out almost three times. Um, for those of you who know, uh, white or red blood cell numbers or whatever it is, like I was at a, uh, at my lowest, I believe a, a 3.2 red blood cell count, which most, I believe healthy, uh, men of my age at that time would have been around a 17 to a 19. <laughs> so I was about bled out. Um, and I was kind of okay with that. Yeah. But yeah. each time I had either you, Mike, or my mom or someone finally be like, Hey, just Go to the hospital. Dude, you looked like Skeletor, Get taken man. Taken care of. I, I was like, I was white as a ghost, yeah. man. It was bad. Um, and I could barely walk. Uh, I don't know how I got through work, uh, but I, 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 I would. And, and, and so I was, I was in such a bad place physically. It, life was hard. We, you know, we were working at this marriage so hard. And it just felt like we were making, if any progress, such incremental progress that it was like non-existent. Painful. And that is so hard. Yeah. It is so hard when you are trying so hard and seeing incremental, like, I mean, like millimeters of progress over months. Yeah. And it might've been more than that, but that's what it felt like. Um, and, uh, and so I got to the point where I felt like to get myself to a better place, and I needed to not be in that situation because it was slowly killing me. And so I, I, I did leave uh, my marriage. We got a divorce and, and that was a very difficult thing to me. Um, one, because I didn't want to be a person who got a divorce. Sure. I, I, I felt like I was good enough and I felt like she was good enough that we should have been able to figure that out. Sure. That's a blow to pride. It is. Yeah. It's a huge blow to pride. And and it was a very big failure on my part. And I, I still feel the pain of that. Um, and uh, But 
getting out of that situation was in a way also very healing. It allowed me to start to explore myself in a way that was important to me. Um, I, I learned during this time how important, um, how important, how much shame had held me back in life. I, I, I was very familiar with shame and I knew what it felt like. I almost kind of liked shaming myself because it was a feeling I knew and understood. Yeah. I was going to say, and and, a habit. Yeah, it does. It, it definitely becomes a habit back on it. So, so yeah. So, um, and, and you know, the interesting thing is, is so that it was about 2015. So about five years ago that we had separated and, and the divorce came a, a year or two after. So we've been divorced for about three years and it's, it hasn't been until recently that I've come out of this giant depression and period of intense anxiety, uh, and physical malady um, that that was that I was allowing to hold me down. And let me tell. So this is how I got to good. So we're in this pandemic, right? And pandemic hits, and work is like, all right, everyone stay home. And I was at that point. We were so concerned that it's like I don't even want to bring the kids into into the home because I'm worried that I'm going to get this and pass it on to like my grandparents or something, or that they're going to get it from me and pass it on to their grandparents or something like yeah. I'm, you know, we're worried about that. Yeah. So, so this starts this period of the of pandemic where I am completely alone with myself. And there's this, there's this quote, um, by Pascal and I'm going to probably murder it, but it's something along the lines of, you know, um, you know, man, <laughs> Uh, most of the the world's problems are caused because man does not know how to sit alone in a room by himself. Right? <laughs> You're like, oh, great. Here we go. So here I am in this room by myself for three weeks during a pandemic. Yeah. And work is going nuts. I'm working like crazy. And I'm faced with only myself. I have only me. And this was a blessing to me. Because I had to finally, I got so miserable with myself that I was finally like, okay, the pain is greater now than it's so great that I want to not feel this way. And that's usually what inspires change within me, right? Sure. Like is the, the pain is so bad at what I'm doing that I'm better finally switch so that I just don't feel Cause that pain anymore. Move. <laughs> yep. So essentially what I did about three weeks into this pandemic this idea after a conversation with an important person, um, this idea that I needed to be kinder to myself. And, and it, it's also after we had interviewed Bailey Rockmore. Thanks again, Bailey. Who, yes, very much. Thanks. Bailey in a very real way has saved me <laughs> a number of times, uh, over the last year. Sure. But, but what she did to me and when we were talking to her is she talked about this idea of she got cancer and then forgiving her body for how she had felt about her body. And she had been shameful. Up to that she, point had, her body she had, she had judgment and she didn't herself. like her body yeah. and, and cancer gave her this gift of appreciating her body and, and the good that it did for her and, yeah. and how much she appreciated it. And, and, and 
what that meant to me. And, and, and that's the thing is, as we're doing these podcasts, I'm like, okay, well, I, if I'm going to be doing these, I better start living some of this stuff that yeah. we're talking to people about. So awesome. I'm like, okay, that means Bailey did this thing where she put her hand on her, her, her chest over her heart and she forgave herself she talked for how herself. she fit. She did. Yeah. She, she had a conversation with herself and that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Put my hand on my heart and, and I just said, Dan, I'm so sorry for the last, you know, really hard years that you've gone through. I, I'm sorry that it's been so hard. I'm sorry it's been so painful. And I'm sorry it's been so lonely. And I'm sorry that I haven't been able to forgive you. And it just was gone. Everything was gone. <laughs> That's so cool. My, my grief for my dad was gone. My grief for my marriage, my failed marriage was gone. My hurt and pain that I'd carried and resentment that I'd carried and that had become a part of my soul and that had just been rank, rancorous to me just was gone because I finally was tender to myself. I was finally able to give myself the tenderness that I had wanted for so long. There's something, there's something that jumps out in my mind when you're talking about this. You know how when you're growing up, everybody says, "You gotta, you gotta just tell the truth." Yeah. Tell the truth. Well, I think, what, wait, this is really interesting to me. You told the truth. So you, you, you lived the truth, like you were living the truth, but you actually told the truth. So verbally mm -hmm. you put the truth out there yeah because you put the truth when you internalize something you're not putting any energy when we release energies there's there's always it's energy. gotta go outward yeah right? there's not something inward. there's something that can mm -hmm. come back and fill its place right fill yeah. the void because you're holding on to those lies or or even holding on to the truth within yeah you, you you're not filling that with anything, right? But exactly. when you're, you're sitting here, you're talking to your body. Mm -hmm. You're literally putting the truth out there. And as soon as you put that truth out there, all of a sudden there's something that fills your soul. Yeah. It's it, peace. It, it, truth in a very real way did finally make me free. Such and free. you know, it's that's it. You've heard that phrase a million times. How many times in your life have you heard that? But like, why did it take me 40 years <laughs> to figure that out? You know, and, but it, that, that's the thing is like, regardless of how long it takes us to learn anything, the important thing is, is that you we learn it, it and that we, that we keep implementing that yes. thing. Right. So what the things that have brought me back to my path and to, to my good, to, to where I am now at peace and I'm happy and I'm light and I'm free. The things that got me here were finally being authentic with people and myself and God and finally forgiving myself for all these things that I had been holding on to and making sure that I've got my people. And I was very, I sought my people out yeah. when I was going through this. Yeah. I sought them out to tell my story. And each time I told my story, it was harrowing. I hated it. Uh, talking to my grandpa about this stuff was really hard. Yeah. Talking about my mom about this stuff was really hard. Talking about anybody, was it was really hard. Because I, because I knew it would surprise people what I had done. 
and I knew they would be disappointed in me. But you know what? That's okay. Because, because I was finally me. And, and now I can feel loved yep. because I'm being me. I was going to say, tell me the response of all those people you mentioned. Grandpa. Every mom, time it was love. Love. Every time. People want to love people. Yeah. But you can't love people until you know their heart. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm so happy that you got there. And you know I'm what? I'm so happy that I finally got <laughs> there too. <laughs> and, and, you know, you say, you say, it took you 40 years. Yeah. But then you ended it perfectly with the idea that it doesn't matter how long it takes. And the thing is, is it could have taken me longer. Yeah. Thank goodness it only took me and, 40 years. And you may you know? not have ever learned it. Right. Right? I mean, you could have gone a lifetime. How many times do we hear those people on their deathbed saying, oh, I wish I would have spent more time with right. my family? Well, it's like, well, that's the truth they realized so late mm-hmm. in the game. Right? Yeah. But you... You are able to find out, and your journey's not over. There's going to be not. other things it's, that you're. you're I, I've learn. I've started some things. I've started down a path that I am incredibly excited about, yeah. and that has brought me a lot of joy and positive energy, and it's going to be great. Yeah. So tell me, Dan, now that you're here and you're you're in a delightful place, and and I, you know, I've watched your journey personally. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I'm like a front row guy eating popcorn. Sometimes I'm the guy throwing a tomato like, boo, like, come on, man, let's, <laughs> let's figure this out. Boo, hiss. What is it? Like when you boo, hiss, or you're like cheering, yay. Yeah. But it's, it's been a, it's been quite a journey and, and I've seen light come back into your life. Mm-hmm. I have seen you so joyful and I, gosh, so so joyful that you that you I th- thought I, I thought was on you were substance on drugs. <laughs> Literally one night, Dan, we were at the house, and Dan was so happy, and I hadn't seen him this way. I'd, I'd hoped for him to get there because I'd seen him this way as a kid, uh-huh. but Dan was so happy and so energetic, like talking over me type of energetic. And people don't talk over me very often because I usually do the talking over, which is awful. I'm sorry. But but I literally stopped and I was like, bro, what are you on? Yeah. Like, tell me what you're on. And yeah. I didn't believe it. And it came to the point where like- We I, almost we, got into yeah, a fist fight. Which was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> so cool. So no, no, we just, you know, like the energy is back. Yeah, it is. And, and it's- beautiful. I feel good. Oh, I, feel, dude, I feel me. I'm so happy. I feel like you. I'm me. Finally. So now that you're there, I mean- mm-hmm. Now that you're there, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions we finished to, to really help me, help me and the audience understand what there means. Like, what is the there? But I want to know, what what do you want to do with this joy and happiness that you feel after all the lessons you learned, after all the the grace, the mercy, the disaster, the the lack of communication, the finally telling the truth. What do you want to do with all of this knowledge that you have now? Well, so a couple things like personally, what I want to do for myself is make sure that I continue to live that way. Cause I know it's, it's, it's a very quick path back to where I was. Mm. It's a couple lies away and I've got to always be watchful of that. And you know, I, I, tend to be a person who likes to exaggerate, uh, who, who does like to, you know, put on a certain appearance. And I really have to watch out for my ego and for that. The other thing that, you know, that I, that I feel strongly about is, you know, I think as a culture, um, in, in, in this area that we live in, 
it's hard to open up. It's hard to be real with people. It's hard to express things that are difficult or uncomfortable. But uncomfortability does not scare me. I have been in uncomfortable places. I will be in uncomfortable places with people. It's what I want to do. I want to be in those uncomfortable places with people and let them know that they're loved and that they're valued and that they still can get wherever they want to go. Totally. That's what I want to do. That's awesome, man. I'm really happy for you there. I I think that brings a lot of um, opportunity for people around you in, in your bubbles, if you will, to like have somebody who's been through that experience that is now open and honest yeah. and they're sharing and they're vulnerable, right? Yeah. Now they can see that example and go, God, you know, I, I've got some of these things that these expectations that I'm held at my, I'm holding over my own head. And, right. and to see somebody like being so honest and real, that is, that is amazing. That is amazing to see that and to know that it's okay for you to do that as well. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, couple, okay. A couple more questions then. I, I want to, this is, this is a thought that came to my mind as you're talking. Divorce is super high right now. It is. I mean, we're talking, it's over well over 50%. Mm -hmm. And even in, in the faith that we belong to, where we believe that we're married for time. It's right at national numbers. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's high as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if, if you could go back and talk to yourself in your marriage when when there's this disappointment there's this lack of lack of communication mm-hmm. lack of truth mm-hmm. um what would you say to yourself what so, would you say to Rachel or sorry so, what would so you say to yourself yeah so here's the thing that i would try to connect with with myself is that this idea of hey look the worst thing that you're worried about happening is that your marriage will end. That's what I was most worried about, right? Well, it ended and here I am and I'm happy. Yeah. You know, like I've gotten myself to a good place. I'm not, I'm not, now let me just clarify, clarify that. Like I'm not happy because I'm divorced Because of it. Yeah. But I'm happy even after that. Yeah. So good does always come. Things always change when you're in a bad place. Things will always change when you're in a good place. Things will always change. Sure. Right. And what I would tell myself is, hey, look, if you can't figure out how to be authentic with people, no one can, you will never feel loved. So the pain of not being authentic and real is far more harming and dark than than the pain of telling the truth. Of disappointing someone. Yeah, even if it like hurts somebody to hear that. Hey, Dan's had a pornography problem for 30 years. I'm not, not saying this, but like, like if that is something I struggled with, right? Like some Mm -hmm. of these things where it's like, we, gosh, you Mm -hmm. open up and you're truthful about these things that people like, gosh, I've been drinking behind your back for 12 years. Well, guess what? Holding on to that lie is going to hurt you a lot more than if you let go of that lie and tell the truth. That's exactly right. And the thing, the thing is, is if I would have opened up, it would have allowed for people to, people want to help people oh, totally. who are in a bad place. It, it, it opens up your heart. Yep. It, it, it makes people want to, want to run to you. People want to be on your team. Yeah, Amen. they do. Amen and, and, and I, for whatever reason, I could not trust that people would do that for me because you couldn't trust yourself. Yeah. I think that's, so how that's can true. you, how can you give tr- like believe in trust for others towards you? If you can't trust yourself, yeah. you can't. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so that, that idea of, 
of vulnerability um, and and being authentically me is is the has been the most powerful principle in my life. Yeah, it I love it. Completely changed me. I love it. So cool. So cool. Okay. So I I just I really like the opportunity when we have at the end of interviews to say mm-hmm. at your very darkest hour, your darkest, darkest moment when you wished you didn't even exist or whatever, wherever you were when you were in that moment, mm-hmm. what gift has that given to you? It gave me the ability to start over and to start over the right way. That's what, that's what being at ground zero or rock bottom did for me. Yeah is it it allowed me the second chance that I'd been hoping for. Um, you can't have a second chance when you're lying. You just can't. That's awesome. I, I think there's a, there's a valuable lesson in that. I, I, as an old al- recovering alcoholic or alcoholic, I'm, I'm recovered, right? I'm, but mm-hmm. as an old alcoholic, um, rock bottom is something that's in vocabulary all the time. Yeah. But if you're at rock bottom and you, and you bounce back up a little bit, if you're not truthful, if you're not authentic about it, authentic you're right and back, truthful, you, right you off will get back bat, to rock bottom. You're given a chance to start fresh and mm-hmm. clean. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take truth and authenticity and, transparency up with you there's no the up is not far you're yeah, coming right back that's down. exactly right that's yeah. amazing man yeah. that's amazing um dan i i'm so glad to see you. you you are delightful um you're awesome you've this just so the audience knows um some things that have happened in my life since dan has gotten to this point in his is all of a sudden my big bro who wasn't reaching out and wasn't connecting and, and had me concerned about that. Cause that's who he, he was when he was younger. Um, he's doing that. My dad's gone and, and he's kind of stepped into that place and made sure that me, my five, five, well, four siblings besides him and my mom are all in a good place. And, and we're having conversations that we've never had before. Mm-hmm. We're coming together like we never have before. Yeah. I just want to tell you to the very end of this thing. I just want to say to you, I know dad is proud of you. I know he's proud of you. And I, I just, as your younger brother, I look up to you and I'm grateful for your example. And I know it has not been easy, but I know that where you're at right now makes all of that crap worth it. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And the legacy that you're blazing for your kids at this point going forward will absolutely outshine any of the stuff that's well and i think there. i think those kids were what gave me the energy to to do this totally. because i didn't want to i didn't i didn't want to fail yeah. and have them have this example of someone who lived a lie and then ended in tragedy and yeah. failure yeah i wanted to show them that there was a way back and you're doing it and, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm proud and, of you. And well, you are that it. doesn't end. That, that is a continual thing. And, it, and, and if I'm not careful, I, get, I fall right back into it. But I know what to watch out for. And I know my way back out of it. Yeah. Well, you, you're, you're doing awesome. And I, and I love you. And, and this is, uh, you are delightful. 
Thanks. You're delightful, and I'm glad that I'm doing this with you because because it uh, it brings a lot of light and joy in my life, man. Well, right back at you. All right, buddy. <laughs> All right, listeners. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan today. And obviously, you can see why "Come Towards Delight" was such an important podcast idea for Dan to go forward with because. He's been through some things that have really helped him to see that light in his life. Um, Some of the things that I really learned from Dan are the power of vulnerability, the power of telling the truth, not only to other people, but to yourself. Be real with yourself. Look yourself in the mirror. Tell yourself the truth and really own that truth. Um, The other thing, too, is go find your army. You know, we, that's a theme that's really coming across as we've done these interviews is you've got to surround yourself with people who become your team, who become your army and who will fight with you. There are people out there who want to do that for you, but they have to know you. They have to know your truth and know who you are. Once you give them that opportunity, they're on your team and they'll be there forever. And that's one of the things that I love learning um, from listening to Dan today is, is I've seen that. I've been a witness of that and it's absolutely real. So go find your team and um, be vulnerable. Vulnerable is power. And uh, enjoy. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Come Towards Delight, where we try to connect with people who have delight and an uplifting story to share. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share our podcast and help us spread delight. One last thing, we would love to hear from you. So please leave us your feedback, or if you know someone who has brought delight to you, please email us at cometowardsdelight at gmail.com. See See you you next time. time.